0: Liftoff and the clock has started. Welcome to the season one finale of Connect Five, the exclusive podcast from ATD Central Iowa, bringing you the stories insights, and to know information right from the people who have it to help you thrive in talent development. ATD Central Iowa is Iowa's largest chapter of the National Association for Talent Development, focused on bringing our members high-impact programming, resources, and connections to support personal and professional development and continuous growth. Check us out at atdiowa.org and all of our social media channels to learn more about the benefits of membership and how you can get involved. And while you're out there, don't forget to register for professional. National Development Day 2024, Innovation Amplified, Power Your Potential, happening Friday, February 2nd, 2024, at the FFA Enrichment Center in Ankeny, Iowa. Our lineup of speakers, along with our keynote from Megan Torrance, will make this an event you absolutely will not want to miss. But for now, I'm your host, Adam Rich, and we've got yet another, I think, the specialist of special guests here in the virtual studio today. She goes by the name of Mary Roth. Mary, welcome to Connect 5.
1: Hello. So good to see you today. So happy to be
0: here. Absolutely. For our one billionth conversation we've ever had with each other. But the first one, I think that's recorded. think so. Yes. So, you know, when I think about people who are the most influential people in my career and the events that led me kind of down the path of talent development and training and adult learning, I come back to one single date and that is June 28th, 2010, which was my very first day at Nationwide Insurance, my first real job, we'll air quotes that, and also, consequently, the day that I met the one and only Mary Roth. So for those folks that are listening who are not yet hip to all things Mary Roth, please tell us, who is
1: Mary Roth? Oh my goodness, those are big shoes to, that's a big introduction to follow. Um, goodness, my name is Mary Roth. Um, I've been in the uh, L and D field since 2008. Uh, I've done a little of everything: so facilitation, design, uh, e-learning development, audio, video. Um, my career started in a call center in Des Moines, um, and then moved to supporting a call center um, with training facilitation, which is where I had the pleasure of meeting you. Um, then moving into training design. Um, I've also had a few roles in. Um, Process management and knowledge management uh, that were really um, influential for helping me learn the business uh, business side. And now I'm an instructional designer at Principal Financial Group. Just living your best life. Living my best life. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wasn't, okay, Adam, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was not going to tell this story about your first day, uh, but I have a memory of you from the first day.
0: Oh, okay. I would love to hear this.
1: We did. <laughs> we did an icebreaker, um that was, I believe two t- truths and a lie. It was some kind of Adam Rich sharing his favorite thing. And I remember you saying one of my favorite things is putting on a new, clean, fuzzy pair of white socks.
0: I am color agnostic to the socks, but I still list that as one of my favorite things. You can't tell me that the first time you put on a new pair of socks, like fresh out of the package, it's not glorious
1: it it's absolutely glorious and i think about that every time i put on a new pair of socks
0: all right if if anything that's my legacy i think if if you know if nothing else about me you know makes an impact on anybody at least got the socks i remember from that like that training class we went through licensing training for two two weeks right to get mm-hmm. our cuz i was in the call center uh personal lines auto and home insurance and stuff and i remember we let's see, fill out like a training survey tracker and I come back to I, I think when I became a trainer I got access to like historical training trackers I was like hmm I wonder I wonder if my training class is in there and so I went in there and I looked at it and you know like every week you write down like this person's doing great or they're struggling with blah 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 whatever you know you can write that stuff and I think either you or somebody else wrote that like during my licensing training I was uh, I was picking things up quickly but I was not very receptive when other people didn't pick things up as quickly as me. I was like, Oh, I, Oh, that makes me sad. But I think about that a lot when I'm like, you know, you pick something up fast or you want to, you know, when other people aren't quite getting it as quickly as you are. Uh, I think about that. I don't know if you, that was you that wrote that or somebody else, but that's something that I think will always stay with me.
1: That's good feedback though. That's good. You know? And I wonder how that influenced you as you then became a trainer and spent time, um, watching other people learn and watching them maybe struggle to pick up things that don't feel like they should be that hard. So I hope that has influenced you. That's great.
0: Yeah. Just one of the many ways, Mary Roth, in which you have influenced my career. It's a butterfly effect thing. I can't imagine where I'd be if Mary Roth hadn't stepped into my life on June 28th, 2010, where would we be? (laughs) But uh, anyways, that is a conversation for another day. I want to dig into, I mean, you talked a a little bit about in your introduction, like like you've really kind of a a woman of many talents, uh, areas of expertise. And one thing I want to explore first, because I think this is a really important topic to to cover and think about is around accessibility. So you recently started a monthly accessibility office hour meetup at your organization. You shared that with me before we started recording. You said kind of basically to support learning to make it more accessible. So I'm curious to know, based on your experiences in, in those conversations, what are those things do you think people generally get right? And what do we usually do a poor job of when it comes to accessibility in our learning programs?
1: Yeah, that is a great, that is a great question. And it's maybe a little bit of a loaded question. Um, I will say that the catalyst for starting the office hours was um, just a desire to help um, other people improve their um, improve their design to include accessibility as well. Um, I don't know that it's always front of mind if we don't, if we don't know that we have somebody who is disabled in our group, I don't know that we always think about doing that first, but it's really, um, thinking about the people that have invisible disabilities or the people that have, you know, even like short-term, uh, disabilities where, you know, maybe you fell and you've injured your hand and now you can't use your mouse. How are you supposed to navigate through your systems or through a training? Um, you know, so keeping all of that front of mind. So as we are developing, we're developing for everybody. And so, I think the things that I would like to see people do the most, um, you know, I, we're starting to get better at always delivering video with closed captioning. That's something that anytime I see a video that doesn't have captioning, um, just reach out and, and send a nice little note. Just be like, hey, did you know that? If you need help, let me know. I'm happy to help you um, learn how to do that. And through recordings, you know, even webinar recordings through Teams. Um, you can get you can get uh, captions embedded or uploaded with that as well. So um, there's kind of not an excuse to not do that anymore. Um, when you work for a big company like I know we both work for large companies, we have uh, a large brand group and so a very strong brand standard. And a lot of times there's some accessibility that's baked into the way that we talk about the color combinations that we use or the font sizes that we use. So being in a big company, it's nice to be able to just point people to those resources, um, but then also to help fill in those gray areas, um, you know, where I'm trying to do something a little outside of the box. It's not explicitly explained to me. I'm not quite sure how to how to make that work. Um, and as we do more with technology and we do more with e-learning and we start to push the envelope a little bit more, how do we get, um, how do we make sure that we're keeping accessibility front of mind with that? So um, I think those are things that we're good at talking about in terms of where we have room um, I think it's just being consistent. Um, I think some people feel, and it's it's true that I usually do my accessibility check as one of the last things that I do to ensure that everything looks good. Um, and I think we sometimes skip that in our um, need to get things out when our timeframes get shortened or if something gets delayed in development, I think it sometimes is the last thing that people think about. And I would like us to do a better job of thinking about it. Throughout our design, as opposed to just at the end.
0: And you mentioned closed captioning. What else is there? What are what else are those things that you're really you're really looking for when you're running an accessibility check? Those things that are really important to make sure you're hitting on when you're you know putting something out there.
1: Yeah, I think the big things that I always think about are um, the closed captioning, or for any audio or video, is there an um, accessibility component with that? Um, I think about my tab order, so. If I wasn't able to use my mouse and I was navigating just by using um, a keyboard, can I get through my can I get through the training without needing my mouse? I think that's another good one. I, that's kind of two in one: uh, not being not using your mouse and then also tab order are are two separate things technically. Um, and then color contrast is the third one that I'm um, always <laughs> thinking about and always giving feedback on, and just ensuring that. The background text and the um, foreground, te- or, sorry, the background color and the foreground text um, have sufficient sufficient contrast so that um, anybody's able to view that.
0: Or, in, in this is a, more of a question about what you do every day, and I'm surprised I don't know the answer to this off the top of my head. But are you so as an instructional designer, do you have are you segmenting out the work where as the ID you are essentially instructionally designing the content, but you're not building <laughs> it or are you doing are you doing all that stuff?
1: So in my role I'm doing all of it but there's absolutely um, groups within our organization that are segmenting it out a little bit more. But yeah, I have um I think for me it's nice because I can think about it the whole way because I start from um that needs analysis all the way through the design and the implementation um and I know with other groups if you aren't if you aren't maybe doing that analysis piece then you're kind of coming in on the backside to do it. Or if you do the front side, but you don't necessarily do the design, then maybe it's a little bit harder to think about accessibility when the design piece falls outside of your you know, day-to-day work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. Carol Dawson is somebody that comes to mind from Nationwide Insurance that she's spoken at ATD Central Iowa events before around uh, accessibility and things that we can do. And I love that we're getting more visibility into this or we're talking about it more. I mean, I see a lot of LinkedIn posts out there from people, you know, talking about little things that we can do to make our, our training accessible. And and I think it's a lot of times been an afterthought. So but these little, you know, like we're not talking about revolutionizing or saying we can't make interactive, really fun course or anything like that. Yeah. We just have to make sure that we're doing them in a way that everybody has, you know, that same opportunity to interact with it and get the yeah. stuff out of it that we want them to get out of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how it started is that um, I think at Nationwide, we were a very centralized group. And so somebody like Carol or, you know, some of these other individuals had spent a lot of time doing a lot of research and doing a lot of legwork and helped bring us along in that accessibility conversation. And so then when I came to a new area and I was like, oh, I'm working with a peer who's a new instructional designer. Of course, she's not gonna know any of this because it's not anything that she's ever been exposed to. And so it's been fun to be able to kind of do the same thing and bring people along and then help lift everybody up so that everybody's content is better.
0: Yep, just changing the world. That's what you do, Mary Roth, world changer. Uh, I love that, and thanks for sharing that with me. I wanna, I wanna pivot a tiny bit and still related to what you're doing every single day, but you're on our lineup, shameless plug again, for Professional Development Day 2024. You're on our lineup of concurrent speakers. Um, and since you told me about your topic that you're talking about, this is a couple months ago, at had a game night for ATD. Uh, and you first talked about this around using Power Apps, Power BI, like a world with which I am just not familiar at all. Um, I've been intrigued really to learn more about this. So this is a perfect opportunity for me to get my questions answered and also get to drop some knowledge on anybody whose ears happen to be listening to us today. So um, you mentioned before we started recording, the principal has an emerging group called citizen developers and it's around low code and, and how do we incorporate automation or maybe AI into these things? What is, what in the world is a citizen developer?
1: Yes, Ah, I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay. So yes, shameless plug for uh, our uh, session at in uh, February. So I'm presenting with my dear friend and peer, Elizabeth Kenny. We are going to be doing a great um, overview of um, what Power, what the Power Platform is, um, a little bit about what those um, systems are, and then diving specifically into Power Apps. So, um, if you're good with it, I can give just kind of a, a little bit of an overview, just so that people maybe know more as they're coming into um our session in february
0: yeah i mean we don't want to let the cat out oh. of the bag we you know yes. we can't we can't have everybody just spilling all the secrets now but absolutely <laughs> absolutely love to so hear excited. this
1: excellent all right so um so what is so your initial question is what is a citizen developer yeah what's so, a
0: citizen developer
1: what is that so um it's actually a, a term that was coined by gartner um the like management consulting firm um And a citizen developer is defined as a person who creates software applications for um, typically for like individual or um, business use, but they're not a professional developer by trade. So it's a citizen who is stepping into a developer role. Makes sense. Sure. Got it. Um, Following so far. Right. Right. So far, so good. So yes, um, um, citizen developers typically use um, low code or no code development tools. Um, A lot of the focus is around like automating tasks, streamlining processes, or maybe fixing um, or addressing specific business needs. The idea is more of um, what would be an individual. So what would make my work easier or perhaps my team's work easier? Um, Citizen developers, uh, citizen developer projects shouldn't really be like enterprise. Projects, you know, um, so it lets it lets us the people that see these issues and these problems, and we have a solution for them. It gives us a way to fix those without needing to wait on kind of official, you know, IT um, procedures to get stuff done.
0: And what are your citizen developers up to?
1: Oh my gosh! Um, so uh, at principle, we we have kind of two. So it's I should start that it's a grassroots group. So. Uh, The first thing was getting some approval from IT and legal and compliance for what types of tools do we want to give to a broader audience? And then how do we pilot it and and get it out in front of folks a little bit slower? And so there's two kind of paths that we've gone down. Um, One that I haven't really been a part of is um, systems called uh, Studio X and um, UiPath. And those are, if you've ever built like a macro to make a system do something, um, those uh, Studio X and UiPath um, really make like beefed-up macros, so they can really do processing within um, some of our specific business systems. So that's kind of one arm of citizen developer um, that I'm not really a part of. Um, I focused more on the Power Platform uh, piece, which is uh, the Power. App or power app is a part of the power platform. The power platform is part of the Microsoft suite. Uh, So if you're a Microsoft user, it may be something that you have access to as part of your um, organization. So I think that's part of what I'm excited to to talk to people about in February is to understand who's doing this, who isn't doing this. I haven't necessarily heard a whole lot um, from folks, so it'll be interesting to see who's, who's using it and who isn't.
0: And final question for you here again, we're trying to not let all the secrets out here is, can you give us maybe a taste of an example of what you are using Power Apps for in your day-to-day or the things that are making your life easier because of them?
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, there are three tools within, uh, there's, there's multiple tools within the Power Platform suite. Uh, the three big ones uh, that I talk about are Power Apps, uh, which is the system that's used to develop an app. Uh, a lot of times this is like the visual interface of the app. So it's really what you see and, and where, you, where you do your interaction. On the back side is Power Automate, which is used for automating workflows and processes. Uh, you can also use Power Automate outside of um, Power Apps. You can use Power Automate to um, send... Uh, how do I say this? You could create a trigger um, that when a specific, things ha- a specific thing happens, Power Automate does something with it. So I have a flow built that if I get an email with an attachment uh, through my Outlook inbox, it'll automatically download it to a folder. So that's kind of a cool, just you know, kind of quick and easy thing that I did. Um, and then Power BI is the third one, um, which is used to create data visualizations like uh, dashboards. So if you want a dashboard to show the work that you're doing. Um, So instead of me talking about something that I've done, could we do a case study with your work?
0: Uh, Sure. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Let's see if I, yeah, hopefully I've got something good to say. Yeah, let's do it.
1: So I've got, so you do leadership development, right? I do. All right. So let's say that in 2024, you want all of your folks from 2023 to come back and do a one-hour refresher with you. Um, and they can choose one of three sessions. So they can either do growth mindset, they can do resiliency, or they can do handling conflict. Okay, so you've got, how many people did you train in 2023?
0: Uh, I'll just take our leadership population, all of them. So around 350 to three, 390, something like that, leaders?
1: That's a lot of people. Okay, so um, today, let's think about how we could potentially do that today um one of the not great examples that i know we've done in the past is i'm going to create an invite for all three of these sessions i'm going to send it to everybody i'm going to send all three to everybody and say choose the one that you want and so you send what 900 emails you get all of these approvals back you get declinations back like you get stuff and then it's just like stuff is everywhere right that's what could potentially happen today so let's think about how we could maybe do this with Power Apps and with the Power Platform, um, you could build an app that would allow each of those users to come in. Um, You could either have the app housed on maybe a SharePoint page, or you could have a link that folks could access. They click the link and then the app pops up in a separate window. Um, They go into that app, they enter their name and then they say which of those sessions they want to attend. They click send, and then it sends it to um, a SharePoint list. Let's just say that that's that's a pretty um, common thing that we're using right now is using um, our power apps to write to our um, SharePoint, SharePoint lists and then being able to pull from that SharePoint list. So let's say that you create this app, they put in their name, they put in what session they want to attend and then it puts it into the SharePoint list. The nice thing about that then is you can go into that SharePoint list and you can see every single person's response. You can filter it in all of the different ways that you would want to, alphabetical, you could search by name, whatever you want to do. Um, Once that's in the SharePoint list, anytime a new response is received, you could build a Power Automate trigger that would then send an invite for that individual session that they requested. Power Automate can take care of sending that. And so then they've responded to that. Uh, You could even in the body of the email, uh, the email template that it's sending out, you could include a link back to the app. So then if it's like, hey, if this isn't going to work for you, click the link and then you can go back. So then you take yourself out of needing to be part of the rescheduling process and they can just go back to the app and request to be in a different session. And then because of all of that information that you have, then on the backside, let's say that your CEO wants to know how many people attended these sessions you could then go into Power BI. And I'm kind of making this up because I haven't spent a lot of time working in Power BI, but you could have Power BI then pull the information from the SharePoint page and say, um, this is the number of people that attended each session. Um, If you do a level one survey, you could put your survey feedback in there. You could have Power BI pull all of that in and then you could build a dashboard. So instead of doing an email instead of spending additional time building, you know, a Word doc with this, you could just create a dashboard that updates with all the feedback from all of the sessions that you did with those folks. Hit the button, boom! Everybody can see it.
0: Uh, I can't wait to sit through your presentation. I actually, I I hope that I can make it. Like I'm really worried about Professional Development Day and that I'm just be running around like a wild person with my hair on fire all day long. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can come in. But all of those things, like. I I would be hard pressed to think of one person listening out here and, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong, people that are listening, go out to the episode on our social media channels, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, But that sounds like something that would be applicable to anybody that does what we do like that, you know, not maybe that, not that specific scenario, but being able to do those things. I spent, that's the thing I hate doing the most is all of that manual tracking and accounting and scheduling and all that stuff. Like, just get that out of our hands and be a lifesaver. So yep, uh, I can't wait, yeah, to see more of this in action. And I'm glad that yeah. I'll call you a friend that I can just call call you up at some time and be like, tell me more about this. Yeah, I hear <laughs> it.
1: tell me more. Yes, absolutely. yeah, I'm so excited. So, um, one kind of caveat or call out for our session, there is um there is so much to know about power apps that the thing that we would like people to take away from our session in particular is, um, the potential of what you can do. So understanding, you know, if I have a business problem that I'm trying to solve or a, or a training situation that I, I'm trying to automate or, you know, have it take less time, think about the ways that you can use that. But there's so much about how you can do it that we're not going to be able to get into the actual like doing. So we right. won't be able to actually walk through building an app, but we have so many great resources. So as long as you've got access to power apps and the power suite, we're going to send you out the door with a ton of great resources.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. And it's probably just opening up people's minds to something that they don't even know exists. Yeah. Like yep. prior to you telling me about that when we were doing that game night for ATD prior to you saying, I was like, I have no idea I've never heard of that before.
1: <laughs> it yep. Sounds great. Yep. yep. So we're super excited. Can't
0: wait. All right. I love it, Mary. Thank you so much for regaling us with that. Uh you opened my brain to something I knew a whole lot. Now I know a tiny bit more. still, you know, not a lot, but I know a little bit more than I did before. So that's what we're here for, you know, here at Connect Five. So um I have one more question for you. And I know I want to, I know what's coming in the five. I've had a sneak preview of this, and I cannot wait to get there. And just one more quick question for you. And I want to make sure that we're lifting each other up here because you and your husband Joe own the Delt Hand, and it's for anybody that's not familiar with the Delt Hand. They host board game nights and game related events around the Des Moines area. I'm curious, maybe maybe you have an example, maybe you don't, but gamification, right, has been a huge topic over the last, what, five, 10 years or so gamify yeah. learning and add game mechanics and stuff. And I'm curious to know uh, what, if anything, you from you and Joe's experience with the Delt Hand and kind of hosting these events, have you been able to apply? about that back to what you're doing in your day job. Is there anything that you can tie it directly? This is putting you on the spot hardcore, but I'm curious to know.
1: It is hardcore. Okay. So um, I will say that I um, have not approached um, doing gamification recently um, only because I think that the more that I, the more time that I spend learning about game design, um, the more I realize, like it is really hard. Right. <laughs> it is right. really hard to build a good game, um, and so it isn't anything that I've tried yet. Um, but I do have. Um, I would. I would like to um, with the game design um, experience that I have, and I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm towing carefully because it's Friday and this hasn't happened yet. But my team is going to go through a game design activity next week. Um, and we'll have a chance to um, we'll have a chance to learn from Joe um, about how to do game design in a corporate setting, and to and to think about how to apply game design. So I haven't done it yet, but after next week, and we have a chance to talk through it. I'm really excited to see um, what we can put together. I I think my big thing is um, how do we do it well, and how do we do it so that it uh applies to a variety of audiences mm-hmm. um so i, I kind of toe maybe a little bit more carefully um i know you've done some really cool gamification stuff as well so um whether or not it was sound. It.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know if it was sound game mechanics, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was just trying my best. I don't know if I was reinventing the wheel and the stuff that we were doing in my early days at Athene for building games. You know, it's like a, we built a storyline game where there's a chicken dropping eggs and you had to use your mouse or your keyboard arrows to go back and forth to catch the eggs in the basket. Um, you know, so from <laughs> a mechanic standpoint, but I was also limited. Like we were learning on the fly through that whole project that I was doing. Yeah. Like I, I took that or started doing that project, and this is a quick background cliff notes for anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about right now. We built a, a kind of an arcade style, fully gamified or game-based learning series of courses to introduce people to various business areas within uh, or or our organization so they'd have to play games in order and the game through the game mechanics they would learn about the organization and, and whatever but I, I wanted to do it like just because I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about Articulate Storyline and how to use complex interactions and triggers and variables to do really wild things um, yeah. and I I'd say, I think I achieved that goal through that process but we, we might have to get Joe depending like if this is a success what he's doing and like how do you create you know that would be an awesome thing to do here locally for atd central out to bring them in to do a workshop like that so we'll we'll put a pin in that one for now uh but you've intrigued me in another way here today mary so um with that I, i appreciate this conversation i have learned a lot and we could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours i have no doubt about it but for the sake of you know keeping things moving along i would like to transition here over to the back half of our episode and that is the introduction of the five but i have to ask are you down? down it's
1: time
0: So this is the point in the show where we ask you, Mary, to run down the five. The lesson learned, something you learned the hard way through a mistake or failure. The story, a story about a memorable event or experience in your career. The secret to success, so a tip or insight about what you think is the most important thing someone needs to do or skill they need to have to be successful in the world of talent development. We'll cover the hot take, so a controversial or unpopular opinion you have about the field of talent development. And finally, the role model, someone who is influential in your career. So let's take it right from the top, and the number one thing we have here today Today is The Lesson Learned.
1: It's The Lesson Learned. All right. Lesson learned. Um, I've learned this lesson and maybe you learned this lesson a few times. So I'm going to share it back for anybody else. Um, Do not assume. (laughs) When you work, when you get to be a creative person uh, in a, especially for me working in a finance organization, when you're the creative person at the table, don't assume that anybody else can imagine uh, what you're proposing the same way that you can. Uh, uh, I have I have found so many times that, you know, I've got this great idea and it's super cool and it's super creative. And people are just staring at me like we have no idea what what you're talking about. Um, and the one example that I thought of it always makes me laugh is I was doing a um, ag training and we talked about animating. Um, it was like hay bales and the amount of space that was apart from them or something. And we talked about animating. And in my head, I was like animating, like moving from, you know, close together and far apart or whatever. Um, and they actually the the kind of the opposite way, they took it way farther they were expecting, like a little video with, you know, a tractor hauling little thing. So then when I showed them, you know, hey, we're going to move the hay from here to here. Uh, they were like, oh, wait, that's that's what you're doing. Oh, like they were really hoping for like chickens and cows and you know, tractors moving <laughs> So you never know. You never know what somebody's gonna think. So yes. show folks early and often.
0: I have run into that before. As a as a high I don't know, I like to consider myself a highly creative person. I, my head's always up in the clouds and uh and there's been a number of times where <laughs> Like I just cannot articulate for the life of me what is going on in my brain and people are staring at me like I have no idea what I'm talking about. So the the lesson learned, what a great lesson learned. Uh, Articulate your vision or do a better job of articulating your vision. I don't know. Maybe that's the wrong lesson learned, but it's a great story. I appreciate that. And speaking of stories, that is what we have up next. And that is the memorable story. It's story
1: time. I'm going to roll this as quickly as I can, but this is was absolutely a life, a life-changing situation for me. So a few years ago, I was sitting on my couch um, in the middle of winter, scrolling through Instagram, and I came across somebody who had done a um, it was like a community art project where it was a mural with all of these one-by-one squares. And then everybody that was participating in this, they all had a cup with a number on it and a little brush, and they were doing this community art project. And I was like, this is the coolest thing that I've ever seen. Des Moines needs something like this. Um, And then fast forward a few weeks and 8035, the music festival announced that Kesha was going to be their headliner. Um, And I love Kesha and anything that she does. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what would be super cool if somebody did a community art project of Kesha for this music festival. I was like, that would be really cool if somebody did that. And then I was like, wait, I'm somebody. I could do that. So so I was like, turned to Joe and I was like, "So I have a crazy idea." And he was like, "Cool, do it." And so, uh, from February until um, I mean, it was early July when the festival happened. So I put together a um, larger than life paint by number of my favorite artist, Kesha, reached out to the um, festival and said, "Hey, I have this an idea for an art project." And they were like, "That's super cool. Do you also want to make it a like a fundraiser? like we could raise money for, um, for, for a group. And I was like, absolutely let's raise money for the Iowa coalition against sexual assault. So I put together a, uh, size, uh, cash by number, uh, put it together as a fundraiser. We raised almost $200, uh, painting this. Uh, and then we auctioned it off after the festival to somebody and then gave those proceeds to the Des Moines music coalition, uh, that, uh, runs 8035 and then does some other um really cool outreach during the year with music programs as well um and so that memorable story which obviously has nothing to do with talent development or um insurance or whatever um pulling that off made me realize that I can do cool weird things Um, And it built a confidence in me that I had never had before. I think at work, we do so much collaboratively. It feels like it's hard to say I did this or I did this because I always know that there were other people that were supporting me as well. So it's, excuse me, this is the first time that I felt like I really had a weirdo vision and said, let's do something big and did it. And anytime I'm sitting and I'm thinking, man, I am just having imposter syndrome or I'm really struggling, like feeling like I'm doing a good job right now. I'm like, but remember that time that you made a giant Kesha Pay-by-Number and then it's back to being right in the world.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's you know, like you say like, oh, you know, I trying to debate this has nothing to do with insurance or work or whatever. But to me, those are the prime examples of extracting learning from things that. And, and being able to apply those concepts and those things back in any other scenario, you know, and, and sometimes people say like, oh, I want to be a leader or I want to do this or that, but I like, don't have any experience. I'm not sure where to start. Um, and it's like, all right, well, go, go try to find something that either it's a, your idea, a brilliant paint, Kesha paint by numbers thing, or go get involved in something else that's going to make you like flex these muscles in a different way. And you'll be able to use those in all sorts of scenarios. Did you get to meet Kesha from that experience?
1: I didn't.
0: Oh, didn't
1: I know? It's fine. It's fine.
0: But what? What? Did she acknowledge that it existed?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know.
0: Okay, but well. it didn't. It didn't matter. Okay, yeah, we don't want to paint cash in a bad light. Kesha's great, great people.
1: Doesn't diminish that it was perhaps the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah,
0: I I remember when that happened. <laughs> I didn't get to participate in it, but I remember when you were doing that. I was like, this is amazing. Good on you, Mary. Yeah, go, go you. Thanks. Uh, and, it, it shows and it, up in job. <laughs> yeah, and it makes for a great story. So uh, the lesson learned, the story. We are two for two. These are incredible stuff, Mary. And uh, we got next up is the secret to success. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, my secret to success is a willingness to ask questions. And I think mm-hmm. this is uh, really important for anybody who is, especially if you're new into talent development and you've been a SME previously. Um, I think as we progress in our careers, a lot of times people think that we need to be the expert and we need to know all of the answers. And I think that can be particularly hard when you're moving from. Being in a business unit to supporting a business unit, Um, and I think it's just really important that we're able to step back and ask those questions to ensure that we understand what needs to be trained and why something needs to be trained. Um, You know, this is a a huge part of uh, the analysis part of um, you know the ADDIE process, but really just when you're kicking off any type of um, you know training conversation with somebody is just. Asking those questions back to the requester. And it's not because we can't figure out the question, the answer, or it's not that we don't know the answer, but it's because we need our business partners to be able to articulate to us what it is that they need to make sure that we understand what the need is. Um, So asking questions, it's it's a strength, not a weakness. I think
0: when people ask me like, you know, what are the skills you, and I guess this is the the secret to success, something that you need to do. Like what's an important skill, you know, when you're coming into the training world or the training design world or organizational or whatever it is. Um, it, for me, it's the ability to ask questions exactly what you just articulated is, you know, and I remember too, when I joined Athene, like I didn't know anything about annuities. I knew nothing about the operations that I was supporting. I had none of that stuff. And so I mean, I'm getting asked to create, training materials around processes for which I don't know. And and I think it was the ability to just ask a boatload of questions and shamelessly do it um, was the secret to my success being able to make that transition for the first time. So that's incredible advice, Mary. I love that. Secret assist, go figure out how to ask questions and you'll be a step up on everybody else. Love it. All right. Three down, two to go. Uh, I know what's coming next and I can't wait to hear your take on this. It is the hot take. Give it to me now. Hot take.
1: All right. Here's my hot take. Um, Can we all please stop talking about learning styles? My hot take. Um, I have the opportunity at Principal to um, do a, to be part of a instructional design kind of boot camp for for folks that are either new into training or are wanting to move into training and instructional design. Um, and it's a super cool opportunity, and it's super cool to see people come in and learn. But we start at the very beginning, and we're like, what do you know about how people learn? And inevitably, somebody, and it's usually a lot of people, are like, learning styles. Learning styles are so important. I'm an auditory like, learner.
0: <laughs> I like to learn by hands-on doing. I'm a visual <laughs> learner.
1: <laughs> you know, And I think it, the same thing happens with our... You know our business units and our requesters as well. Is they're going to be like, well, are people really like videos? Okay. Do your people learn best with videos, or do they like passive learning? It's not. It's not the same thing. So, um, one of the books that I keep handy uh, is Design for How People Learn by Julie Dirksen. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. She's one of my favorite um, instructional design folks to follow and learn from. Um, And she has a great section in her book about learning styles and just how there's just not, there's just not science to support that along with the practical. I can't, if I have 30 people in my training class, I can't teach part of the day. You know, I can't have people a third of the day learning towards their style and then just checked out the other, you know, parts. Um, But to quote Julie Dirksen, you wouldn't want a car mechanic to be trained via audiobook, right?
0: Right. Yes. Uh, hot take. I've. I feel like this is uh, like an age old debate. Like cause I, so let me tell a little story myself. When I interviewed to become a trainer, I remember getting the question from our senior trainer at the time during that interview. Like, tell me what you know about adult learning styles. And I think I answered like, oh, there's some people learn hands on, some people like visual, some people like audio stuff. And that's like all I knew. Uh, and uh, you hear that perpetuated all the time. Uh, but then like when I'm in a training room or I'm designing training, I'm not thinking about that, (laughs) you know, when I'm doing it, it's like, what's going to make this stuff stick for people and make it applicable to their job and make them want to be, you know, want to be involved in it It has nothing to do with any of those like aforementioned learning styles.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Hmm. All right. Hot take, Mary, uh, boiling up, but uh, I'm in the fire with you on that one. So, uh, final one, that's a hot take. We got one left. And that is the role model.
1: (laughs) Uh, so I've been listening to um, Connect Five for a while, and every time somebody talks about their role model, this person always pops into my head as as being my role model. So I'm thrilled to be here today uh, to give a shout out to a peer and a friend and a former boss and mentor and all of those great things, Sarah Murphy. Adam is nodding emphatically as we're talking this about is, this. This
0: is the first role model that I actually know. Like everybody that's come out and shared their person. I was like, I don't know that person, uh, but I know this one. So I'm going to be able to like all in and probably nodding along yes. with you as you <laughs> talk about
1: this. Yes. So um, I had the privilege of reporting um, up through Sarah um, during my time at part of my time at Nationwide. Um, and one of the things that she shared with me Um, I hold very close and I share widely whenever is needed. Um, Assume good intent. And I can't even remember the situation that it started with. I obviously felt slighted by a decision that a business unit had made or somebody had made a decision. And I was very upset that, you know, they were attacking me or my skills or, you know, they were obviously doing it to hurt me. Um, And she just came in with the calm demeanor that she has and says, assume good intent. Assume that whatever happened in that situation, nobody was trying to, it was out to get you. Assume good intent and let's keep moving. And I hold that so, so close. And I share that with people. I say it out loud to remind myself when I, when I feel it happening again. Um, But Sarah Murphy, you had the, um, you, oh my gosh. (laughs) You led us through some really difficult times. Uh, We had multiple, you know, we had some reorgs, we had leadership changes, all types of things that happened uh, under your leadership, but you were always a rock um, and a positive shining light for us and our team. So thank you. Big shout,
0: Sarah Murphy. I've not seen Sarah Murphy in years because I reported to Sarah Murphy for a little while, too. Uh, I kind of see what she's up to on Facebook and LinkedIn. uh, But do you
1: see her very often? Uh, So her husband and I work together.
0: Ah, All right.
1: (laughs) So I I see I see Dave a little bit more often, but I do actually every time I see Dave, I text her. So Uh, I've texted her a few weeks. I'm going to text her after this and be like, you got to listen.
0: Yeah. And ten, tell all of your friends, Sarah Murphy, to listen. And then tell them <laughs> to tell their friends to listen. Uh so we can yeah, we can really go for it. So I, I love that. Sarah, awesome person. I appreciate that story. I love hearing people you know, beam, their, their faces light up, you know, when, the, when, when they talk about those people that are influential to them. So I know people listening can't see the lighting up of the faces, but let me tell you that it's happening and it's always fabulous to see. So uh, I, I love it, Mary. We ran down the five. We talked about all the great things you're up to. I just want to say thank you so much again for being here. I honestly cannot think of a better person to tie a nice bow on the first season of Connect Five than you. Thank you. Thank you're- you so much. You are very welcome. And of course, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in since our big debut in May. We've had a blast showcasing some of the amazing stories from our talent development community. And the best part is that we are just getting started. Uh, I also want to give a huge shout out to all of our featured guests, all 17 folks, including the wonderful Mary Roth, uh, along with Connect 5 social media team. That's Jen Lilly and Melissa Nichols for all their great support this year. We'll be back again next year, bigger and better than ever. uh, And and for an absolutely miss season at connect five but until then do not forget to subscribe to the podcast and connect with us on social media then head out to atdiowa.org for the latest information about upcoming events and how you can get connected to all the benefits of chapter membership once again for the final time in season one i am your host adam rich and on behalf of atd central iowa have a joyous and wonderful holiday season and goodbye from connect five